All right, today's daf is daf mem base, page forty-two. In the Halakha Bisakas Kedushim, we pick up six lines from the top of the Amud. We are up to Ella Mehacha, and we are still going through the uh, search for Rabbi, Yoch, Rabbi Yainison's source that there is shlichus, there is messengership when it comes to things that are kaidish, things that are holy. We tried proving it from a carbon Pesach and we said there's not necessarily a source because by a Pesach sacrifice, the one who's acting as an agent is also a partner. So he's also acting on behalf of himself. What we're looking for is that you can have an agent do a mitzvah by kaidesh, by kachim, by sacrifices, even if he's strictly a messenger and he's not an owner or a partner in the mitzvah. So we pick up six lines from the top of the Amud, we're up to Ella Mehacha. Rather, let's make, create, uh, learn out Rabbi Yenison's source from here. When it comes to the mitzvah, bring a Pesach sacrifice. The Pasuk says, each man should take a sheep for his, fa- for his family, a sheep for his father's house. Okay? Now, if one man is taking a sheep, for everybody, we're assuming it means he's an agent. But what do we? What do you think we're going to respond immediately? What do we just say about a carbon pesach? Are you acting as an agent? No, you're acting as a partner, right? That's what we just learned. So the Gemara is going to respond that immediately. Maybe over there, when you bring it for your family or your ha- or your fa- father's house, maybe you're acting as a partner. How do you know again that you could be an agent when you're not a partner? So the Gemara says, no, no, no. I'll tell you why. Because, granted, we have two verses. Again, one verse says that all of B'nai Yisrael could bring one Pesach. Another verse says a man could bring a Pesach offering for his family. Do I need two verses telling me the same, the same scenario? That when you're a partner, you could bring a Pesach sacrifice to everybody? What's the difference? Why would the Torah write one verse? One Pesach for everybody, you know, you don't even need to be in the same family. And one Pesach for a family. If it would both be talking about partnership, then these verses are going to the redundant school of redundancy. It's completely unnecessary. So, says the Gemara, in Cain, if that would be the case, straight cry lamely. Why do I need two verses? I'll tell you why. It must be, here's our assumption. One verse is referring to one a person bringing it on behalf of a whole group of others as a partner. And the other verse is going to be referring to one person bringing it on behalf of a group, even when he's not part of the group. He's not a partner and he's acting strictly as an agent. And that's going to answer, it's no longer redundant. Again, one case is going to be where you're a partner, and one case will be where you're not a partner. Says the Gemara, but one second, I We need this post teaching, teaching our Yitzchak. Damar Yitzchak. If you uh, an adult, a man can acquire the carbon pesach on behalf of a group, but a katan cannot acquire on behalf of others. So you see, this ver- this verse is telling me that um, it's. Uh, that only, only an adult could do it, not a minor. So I can no longer use this as a pasuk, as a source, that you could be a shliach, even if you're not a partner. 
So Gemara says, no. Rabbi Yitzhak doesn't learn it out from the part of the Pasuk which says that a man takes the sheep for everybody. He learns it out from a different part of the verse which says that you take according to the amount that each person is able to eat. Okay? And that ish lefi achlai is where you're uh, is telling me you, where you can act on behalf of somebody else. Now I want to pause and just focus on this halacha for a second. There is a halacha by a Pesach offering, which is it must be eaten in its entirety the night of the Pesach Seder. You're not allowed to have leftovers. There's additional law that every person who's a member of the Pesach offering has to eat at least a kezayis. You're supposed to eat a kezayis, you're supposed to eat an amount that satisfies you. So the Pasuk says, how many people should be part of my group? So you're going to have to do the math. You see how fat your sheep is. You see how many pounds of meat you can expect to be on there. You ask each member, so you're going to have to have like a leader of each group sending out a, a WhatsApp um, uh, voting system. Do you eat a kazayas? Do you eat a kibetza? Do you eat two pounds of meat? Do you eat three pounds of meat? And each person responds about, you know, with an approximation of how much meat that they intend to eat at the Pesach Seder. And based upon everybody's responses, ishlafi achlai, each person, according to the amount of meat that they're accustomed to eating, that's how, that's how many people you'll include in your carbon Pesach. Okay? That's how it worked. That's how it worked. This way, you knew there wouldn't be leftovers. And you also ensured that your group wasn't too big, that people wouldn't have enough to, be, uh, to fulfill their mitzvah and have a kavadik, have an honorable, an honorable Pesach Seder. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, it, when it says each man according to uh, the amount that they eat, each man according to the amount that they eat, that's, that's going to be uh, Rabbi Yitzchak's source to tell me that each man according to the amount and not a katan. And since this verse is going to be his source for that, he's still capable of using the original pasuk of a man according to his family to use as a source for messengership, even when you're not an owner. Says the Gemara, but we still need that pasuk of Ishlafi Akhlai to teach me that you can, it is permitted to shech the carbon pesach even for an individual. Okay? Which means, generally we had groups. What happens if you have somebody who's out for whatever reason, he's not capable of being with others? For the carbon Pesach. He has to be by himself for the Pesach Seder. He's in the hospital. He's out doing a mitzvah. And he's going to have to bring his own carbon Pesach. Allah is you bring a carbon Pesach for him alone. Now you'll bring a small sheep. And you want to make sure that he can eat the whole thing. So he doesn't do an Avera. But again. If somebody. Follow the logic here. This is beautiful. If somebody is able to eat an entire carbon Pesach when they're having a Seder alone, and that's what this verse is referring to, no longer is it a source to show me anything about doing this on behalf of somebody else. This is me. I'm doing this by myself. And therefore, 
we're back to being stuck without a source. No, Rabbi Anderson holds that there's no such thing. You cannot eat a carbon Pesach individually, which is a fascinating and beautiful message. A carbon Pesach is only eaten by a group of Yidin. You cannot bring the carbon Pesach by yourself. The carbon Pesach represents Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God did not make an exodus for an individual. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made an exodus for Bnei Yisrael. For us as a group, the safest place for a Jew to be is amongst a group of other Jews. Tonight, Be'ezus Hashem, we're going to have the tremendous merit of coming into the holiest day of the year, one of the holiest days of the year, Yom Kippur. And we start out Yom Kippur with Kol Nidre, which the Tolna Rebbe explains. Kol Nidre is, we strip away any extra vows, any extra chumras, stringencies, anything that makes me different than another Yid. Because when I show up to Rosh Hashanah, I want to be standing beside I want to be standing amongst my people. I want to be just like everybody else, part of the Chavra, part of the group. That's the safest place for a Yid to be. And when it comes to a Karpin Pesach, we don't eat, says Rabbi Anderson, a person does not eat a Karpin Pesach alone, even if he's able to eat the whole animal, even if he's capable of it. A Karpin Pesach has to be eaten with a group. Now he learns it out from various... Uh, Various psukim, but there's a there's a, a beautiful message in that. Says the Gemara, One prince brought it on behalf of his entire shevet. Okay, so the fact that the nasi, the tribe, the leader of each tribe, joined together when Bnei Yisrael was conquering the land and dividing it up. So each Shevet had a Nasi who was their attorney, so to speak, was their messenger to represent what they're going to receive. So why don't we learn out that you can have, uh, you can have a Shlichus agency from there. No, 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 That's the, the prince wasn't functioning as an agent. Yeah, it's not possible because a Katan, a minor, is not capable of appointing a messenger. And therefore, when the Nasi showed up to uh, represent his tribe to get a specific portion of land and to make sure it was in his tribe's best interest, he can't act on behalf of the, of the miners of the tribe. So the fact that he is showing up is a proof that it's not a regular shlichus. He wasn't just showing up as a regular agent. Allah, so how, how was the uh, you know, uh, power of attorney given over to the Nasi of each tribe? This Rabbi Baravuna said, It's not Shlichus. You don't need to be appointed. But we know there's a general rule that you can act on behalf of somebody if you know it is objectively to their benefit. So it's working as a Shlichus, as a merit. It's not working as Shlichus. And since it's not working as Shlichus, it's working as a Shlichus. We're no longer using this as a source that a shliach, a messenger of a person is like him. Again, because the, the prince wasn't working as a shliach. He was working as far as the rules of, of uh, benefiting somebody else. The Tizbur Azhusi says the Gemara. Really? Is it logical to say that when they, they uh, call it negotiated for specific areas of land, that it's a shchus? Every time you have a negotiation, 
and a trying to come up with something positive, there's not objectively beneficial. There's always good parts of it and then downsides of it. There's trade-offs. Sometimes you just need to take what's best for your shevet, but it doesn't mean that it's objectively good for, for everybody. Some people like living in the mountains. They don't like valleys. They don't like it down. They like the, the high altitude. Yeah? So how do you know what everybody in your shevet wants? So don't tell me that it worked as far as zechiah. It, can, it can't be working as far as benefit. If, so if the prince was showing up and he was allowed to function on behalf of every yid, it's got to be that he was functioning as a shliach. Now look at Rav Baravuna, Dom Rav Baravuna, Rav Gidlom Rav. Minayin liyasaimim. How do I know orphans? Shabol lachlik v'nichsei aviyam that come to divvy up the property of their father. Shabezdim amin lemapitrapas. If they're minors, Bezdin appoints a trustee. Lachayv v'lezakais. And when you have a trustee, it's going to come sometimes to the, uh, uh, you know, it's not going to work out uh, best for everybody, but it's the responsibility of those who were appointed over the estate that uh, to do in the best interest of the whole big picture. And if it comes out that one kid, you know, doesn't come out with the best thing, so then he, he can't argue about it. Because the bottom line is, Bezdin appointed this person, and that's, that's what's best for the mishpacha. Okay? So he says, so he says uh, how do I know that you appointed Apitropis even though not every child is going to say it was beneficial to me. Says Gemara, well, l'chayv amai. Yeah, is it really true Bezdin could appoint the trustee if it's not going to be beneficial for the orphans? What we're referring to over here is, yes, there's times where a trustee is appointed and he does what's in the best interest of the estate. It looks like a chayv now. It looks like it's detrimental to the orphan but ultimately, it's to his advantage. Sometimes, and we know this, this is how Kaddish Baruch Hu interacts with us. Sometimes things hurt. We go through things and we're like, but ultimately, it's to our advantage. It's to our advantage. So how do I know? But sometimes it, it, it hurts a little bit. It hurts a little bit. I know that you could appoint a trustee for such a thing. Each prince took on behalf of their shevet, and it's true. Sometimes people appreciate higher altitudes and low, lower altitudes and things like that. The Misa, in the, in the broad picture of what's good for you, that's what the, uh, of, of the Shevet, that's the interest that the Nasi is acting in. Amar Vnachan, Amar Shmuel, appoints a trustee, and the trustee has to work to the uh, greatest advantage of the orphans that he's there to represent. Um, and the orphans get older, they could protest what happened originally. Rav Nachman himself says, He says that no, when orphans who are, let's say, 9, 10 years old, have a trustee over the estate, who divides the estate on behalf of the family, when that kid becomes an adult, cannot... Um, have claims against the original uh, original agreement because if so, then you're removing the power from Bezdin. Bezdin needs to have the power to ensure that their trustee 
who they set up is not going to be is not going to be messed with. Otherwise, it's going to turn to balagan. Otherwise, it's going to be havoc. People are going to later on eh, taking away land of somebody already used it for five six years. Forget it. Umi Rav Nachman is usually bothered with this prop with this issue of what's the kayach of bezdin. By the time we learned in the Mishnah, if a bezdin makes an appraisal and they were off by more than a sixth. Either they, they, they lowered it more than a sixth of the true value or it was higher than the true value. Mechram bottle. The sale is not valid like it is by anybody else. Yeah, the same way if you're off a sixth, it's not going to be valid. So too it is um, uh, by Bezdin. If they appoint somebody and they're off, it's not going to be valid. Rav Shimon says, No, the sale's going to stand because if you don't allow the rulings of Bezdin to stand, you're going to run into trouble. We pass like the Chamim who say that we will remove the sale and say it's not valid. Well, here's the problem. Over here, Reb Nachman, recording Reb Nachman to be saying that if Bezdin says something, done. Set in stone. You can't mess with a ruling of Bezdin. But in this other Mishnah, he says if Bezdin's ever off by more than a sixth, we nullify the whole sale. I, why isn't he concerned about people, uh, about people not respecting the authority of Bezdin? Answer the Gemara like Kasha, no question. We now turn to the top of Membeza Membez. Hadato, Hadalaito. I'll tell you the difference. If Bezdin makes a mistake, so then we will nullify the sale. But if it wasn't a mistake, we don't nullify the sales. Well, if there's no mistake, why do we say the kids can uh, challenge? No mistake. I'll tell you what the kid wants to do. So here's the halacha. Ready? Let me just explain what the Gemara just established. You have a 10-year-old orphan. Bezdin appoints a trustee. The trustee gives this orphan certain lands, certain assets that he feels is in the best interest of the kid. The kid becomes an adult. It turns out the trustee didn't make a mistake on value sales that he did on behalf of the orphan. He did a fine job. But the orphan now is saying, you know, I know when I was eight years old and I had no power, there was a, court, there was a, a Besden appointed trustee. Well, that trustee bought me land that was... Uh, that was in South Carolina. I prefer land in Georgia. He should have bought me that land. I, I, I like different. Not that he made a mistake. Not that he was financially off. More than a six, less than a six. Not financially off. But the kid says it wasn't in my best interest because I prefer something else. And that's the case we say, listen, I'll get in tug. Have a wonderful day. Uh, we're not changing and we're not nullifying anything the trustee put in place. But... If the trustee actually messed up, so then we will go back and allow the yasum, the orphan who's now an adult, to challenge the original uh, the original authority. Amrav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, when brothers divide an estate, they're like purchasers dividing various things that they bought. Okay? Now, why is that important? Because Rav Nachman explains, Pachas Mishsus, if let's say, as they divide it, one end, you know, they're, they're a little bit off. 
One brother ends off with a $100 value, the other brother ends off with a $90 value. So if it's less than a sixth off, nikna mekach, nothing changes. The same way when I buy something and things are slightly off financially and it's less than a sixth, nothing changes, nothing changes by inheritance as well. Yasser also says if it's more than a sixth off, mekach, bottle, the whole thing is nullified. Shesos, if it's a sixth itself, kona umachser aina. So then, the division amongst the brothers remains, or amongst the partners, people who purchase remains, but you need payment back. You have to repay, everything can stay, but you need to pay back the value, the digital value that you received. When we say that if you're less than a sixth off, the transaction stays, that's when the brother did not appoint the shliach to go and take care of the divvying up of the estate. If he, represent, if he sent the shliach on his behalf, see, he could say, I sent this messenger to help me, not to hurt me. So I want to just pause. We're not done yet in Rava, but I want to explain something that's a very important rule in, mes- in, uh, in being a messenger and being an agent, which is, if I appoint a messenger to act on my behalf, the underlying premise is this guy is only representing me for my benefit. The moment he does something that's not to my benefit, he's acting on his own behalf. He's not acting on my behalf. I never sent him to work to my detriment. And therefore, if I sent the shliach to divvy up the estate with my brother, and my brother ends up with $100, and I end up with $90, and it's less than a sixth off, The halacha is, I could go back and demand a redo. I, he was your shliach. No, he wasn't. I didn't make him my messenger to lose me money. He acted on his own behalf. That wasn't my behalf. That was his own behalf. So if I directly do it, my brother and I end up shorthanded, less than a six, everything stays. If I appoint the shliach, what happens is it's as if nothing happened. Because my brother can't divvy up the estate with a random guy who's not acting on my behalf. And this that we say that it's, it's nullified if it's more than a sixth of. That's only if they didn't agree beforehand that they should divide it according to the Besden's appraisal of If they agreed to divide according to Besden's appraisal, then the uh, division is going to be valid. Because basically they're accepting that whatever Besden says, that's what we're going to do. So they already accepted this upon themselves. It's going to remain in place. The Tanan, because we weren't in a Mishnah. How do I know this? Shuma Dayanam, If Besden make an appraisal on property and they're less than a sixth off, they under it a sixth, or they overvalue it a sixth. Mechron bottle. It's not valid. Mechron kaim. It's going to be valid. And this that we say when you have a sixth mamish on the button. The aina, you have to return the extra amount. It's referring to movable property of By real estate, there's no aina, there's no over or underestimating for karka, for land. Because real estate, you should know, as we, I mean, as we know, goes up and down. So this whole law of overestimating or underestimating a sixth 
is by movable objects. It's not by real estate. Real estate is location, 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 and somewhat of what's on the property as well. And therefore, it's really whatever the agreement is. It doesn't get undermined by somebody saying, oh, the appraisal was off. Yeah. Things go up and down drastically when it comes to real estate. By land as well, we say that there's no such thing of a when the brothers are dividing it by value of a pachos but if that's they're dividing it by size, loy, then um, the uh, we, they will go back and redivide it. Why kidarabo? And they do by measurement, and they're off on the measurement. They will go back and divide it, but not when they do. It, but not when they're off in value. Why? Because of Rabbah's statement, Dama Rabbah. Rabbah says, Anything that works according to size, weight, or numbers. If you tell me you're sending me uh, 100 Esregim, and you send me 98, I could demand those extra two. Because we're sending, we're working with numbers. Okay, and if you don't, so it goes back. If somebody sends over a fire in the hands of a chir shavikotan, so now the problem is these people are not responsible. So I'm negligent by giving them a flame to walk around with. And what happens is this chir shavikotan, these people who don't have mental capacity, they go and they start a fire and it damages somebody's field. Allah is, I, the sender of the fire, I'm not obligated by a bezdin to pay. I'm going to have a heavenly bank account I need to settle with though. So if I was, I gave this over to a cotton and he starts a fire and it damages somebody and I come up to heaven after 120, they're going to say, tell them why didn't you pay back? But a bezdin down here can't obligate me. You're called a grumma. You caused it to happen. Did you directly do it? No. You caused it to happen. So a court down here cannot obligate me financially. Cannot obligate you financially. But in Shemayim, if I want a clean slate and not have a, and, and not have a financial obligation, so I, I should uh, pay up. Shilach Let's say I give a fire over to somebody who has mental capacity. So then, if there's a fire that starts, that's his problem. It's not my problem. But why not? Why don't we say that this pikeach this fellow who has mental capacity is merely my agent, and since he's starting a fire as my agent, I should be responsible. Says the Gemara, no, no, no. Because remember, what do we learn? Beautiful idea. There's no such thing as a messenger when it comes to an Avera. I cannot appoint you as a messenger to go do an Avera. If I say to you, go punch somebody in the nose and you go and punch somebody in the nose, who's responsible? You. He told me to do it. I'm just his messenger. No such thing. No such thing. You're not connected over here. This is your fault. This is your problem. The Amrinon, the Divrei Arav, Divrei Atalmud. You know why? Because when the Rebbe, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells you something, and then the student in the class says, no, go do something else, stupid. Go do an Avera. Who should you listen to? And therefore I can walk over to somebody and say, punch him in the nose. 
Hashem already told him not to. So now you go punch him in the nose. He's going to say, oh, tell him told me to do it. God told you not to. You're not my messenger. You're doing this yourself. And therefore, there's no such thing as a shliach ledvar avera. Okay? A foundational idea. This is halach ala Very important. Very important. Vahadatanya. And this that we learned in a b'raisa. Shliach shliachos If you have a messenger who's sent to do something, and he doesn't fulfill what he set out to do. Shliach ma. So then the shliach is the one who's over on me'ila. So let's say I send somebody to go use something from the Beis HaMikdash or redeem something from the Beis HaMikdash that's holy and you're not allowed to use it while it's holy until it's redeemed. The messenger goes and he uses it. It's called Me'ila. He's mild. He profaned that which is holy. So there's ramifications. There's a key of curries. There's financial penalties. So who's obligated? The messenger. Also But if he did his shlichus, mamish what I set him out to do, the one who sent him is obligated. But one second, what did we just say? One second. If I send a messenger to use something that belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, I'm moyel. I did the Avera. One second, what, what did we just establish? There's no such thing as a messenger when it comes to an Avera. So why does it matter whether the messenger acted on my behalf or not? Either way, it's his problem. It's not my problem. No such thing as being a messenger of an Avera. To transgress Me'ila is different. The yell of chet chet vichuma. We learn it out from the word chet chet from the psukim, from the verses by truma. Ma truma mashvishiach. Just like by, by truma, you can appoint the messenger. Af meila mashvishiach. Sud by meila, you can appoint the messenger. Venel of minei. Why are we learning out from truma? You could appoint the shliach to tell me that by meila you could have a shliach, even bar navera. Why don't we learn it the other way? Say by meila you can't have a shliach. So to by truma you can't have a shliach. Because the Allahs of Me'ila and Shlichas Yodai. Shlichas Yodai is when somebody goes ahead and he has a deposit in his domain and he uses it for his own use, which he was not allowed to do. Okay? So in that case, he assumes responsibility for it completely. So we ha- find this idea of Me'ila, we find this idea by Shlichas, therefore we cannot continue the, uh, we cannot learn out from Me'ila and the case of deposits. Okay, let's hold it here for today. Have a Gemar Chasim everybody. Have a good Yom Tif. And Be'ez we will pick up on Matzi Yom Kippur, <clears throat> 8.30, let's make it 8.45 to give people a little bit of time to break the fast. 8.45 p.m. Bezim Amatsiyom Kippur with the, we'll wrap up Daf Membez and move on to Daf Mem Gimel Zaygazim.